As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. A couple of Colts and an old friend at quarterback lead our look at the Week 11 waiver wire on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Fantasy Football in 15 at The Athletic. It is Tuesday, November 17th. Tuesday is Waiver Day. That's what we're going to be talking about on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. I am Michael Beller. I am joined, as always, by Derek Van Riper. DVR, how you doing today? Doing well. Happy Tuesday. How are you doing? I am doing well, too. It's week 11, and, you know, the waiver wire, we know early in the season it's going to give us some players of import just because we're not going to bat a 1,000 in our leagues and we're not going to draft every single guy who is going to be fantasy-relevant throughout the year. But then once you get into, like, week 5, 6, right, that's when it starts to become a little dodgy. There's going to be some good weeks. There's going to be some bad weeks. And this feels like maybe a decent week on the waiver wire so let's not waste any time let's get started with a couple of Indianapolis Colts one who we have talked about already and one who we started hinting at over the last week and then he exploded for a big game last Thursday against the Titans we're going to go with that guy first and that is Michael Pittman Jr. eight targets in that game against the Titans caught seven of them for 101 yards also had one carry for 21 yards showing off his explosivity in the offense. He has started the last two games now for the Colts, 15 targets combined in those two games, and feels like the one guy, Derek, in this passing game that really can be a needle mover in a way that just the rest of the guys in the offense, frankly, aren't and haven't been to this point of the season. Yeah, when you look at a lot of the other players around him, you have an aging T.Y. Hilton who simply isn't the player that he used to be and no longer has a quarterback who can get him the ball downfield. You know, that was part of what made T.Y. Hilton so special at his peak. Now you have advanced age Phillip Rivers shot-putting the ball all over the field, which I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but he was actually good enough to continue propelling yeah. Keenan Allen to volume in the past, right? So you flip it around, you say, okay, Keenan Allen was good enough to carry Phillip Rivers to sort of league average efficiency, I think Michael Pittman's that kind of player. I think he is going to be a very good NFL receiver for a very long time. I think he has the skills to be a true number one, and the usage is starting to reflect that. And part of what kept me away from Colts receivers for most of this season was the lack of a clear hierarchy in that group of pass catchers. I thought initially 
Hilton might be able to do some damage after the catch and still crank out one more pretty good season. It just doesn't look like he has that in him. So now the opportunity is even greater for Pittman. I thought he was going to be more of a number two in this offense going into the season. I think he's a clear-cut number one. Where that puts him in the greater fantasy landscape, probably just on the outside looking in among top 20 fantasy receivers. I think that's probably a bar that he's not going to reach week in and week out. Maybe in some matchups he could flash up to kind of fall into Jake Seeley's rankings in that range between now and the end of the season. We've talked about the Colts and their upcoming schedule a lot on this show. There are more good matchups than bad for the running game mm-hmm. and for the passing game. Uh, I do think you know, you're looking at a guy that probably gets you six-plus targets week in and week out. The ceiling's closer to 10 because they desperately need someone to emerge as their go-to receiver, and Pittman is their best chance to have that guy who's already in tow. It's got a special combination of size and athleticism. And we're talking about a guy who is 6'4", 223 pounds, and still is getting you know plays like that end around. Or it was a reverse where he had the 21-yard carry. I mean, we're used to seeing you know speed guys get those sorts of plays or Robert Woods types get those sorts of plays, not guys who check in at like Julio Jones uh, build. And that's exactly where Michael Pittman Jr. is. So this is someone who really could be a game changer for the Colts. And it's someone who, you know, this offense uh, has been desperate for a playmaker really all season, if we're being honest about it. Jonathan Taylor hasn't taken to the offense that the way that they had hoped. Obviously, you talk about all the concerns with T.Y. Hilton and his skill set, especially uh, his skill set at his age, not really meshing with the sort of quarterback that Phillip Rivers is at his advanced age. So they've been looking for someone who can be a real playmaker in this offense. Zach Paschal, just not, not, not that kind of guy. The tight ends, really not those kinds of players. They're fine players for what the Colts asked them to do. But none of them is a guy who can really be a big-time playmaker who can go out and get you this chunk yardage opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Michael Pittman Jr. looking like that brand of player. So if anything, the role that we've seen from him over the last two weeks, again, 15 targets in those two games, got to believe it is only going to grow and that he is the number one player in this passing game for the remainder of the season. If anyone was going to challenge him for that, at least in terms of target share, it would probably be Naheem Hines. And I don't think he's going to, but I do think he is worth worthy of discussion here on the Week 11 waiver wire. 12 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. Also had six targets, caught five of them for 45 yards and another score in the Colts win over the Titans back in Week 10. I do think the risk here is a weekly floor that checks in close to zero. It's not literally zero because he's going to touch the ball every single week. But, I mean, just go back one week before the Week 10 game where he had a big one against the Titans, and you see how things could go off the rails quickly for Naeem Hines. Two carries for 18 yards, three targets, caught two of them for 20 yards in that game. Go back a week before that, he had three catches for 54 yards. Two of them happened to be touchdowns. So there is going to be a lot of yo-yo to Naheem Hines' game. But if Week 10 showed us anything, it's that maybe there's a little bit more of a carry floor for him going forward, given the struggles of Jonathan Taylor and the limitations of Jordan Wilkins. Yeah, I mean, I think Jordan Wilkins is just the guy, I think, with Hines, because he has that pass-catching role, if you start giving him carries on top of that, he can become the number one back, at least temporarily in this Colts offense. I wonder how much of the usage Thursday night uh, was just the byproduct of the Colts being frustrated with Jonathan Taylor. I keep wondering if Taylor's hurt and they're just not talking much about it. I don't really know what the problem is there. I think you and I have talked about him several times. Like The talent 
is clear, and it just hasn't clicked for him yet. The schedule, as I mentioned before, better for the running backs even than it is for the receivers the rest of the way. Look at these matchups for the Colts. It starts with the Packers here in Week 11. They cannot stop the run. The Titans again in Week 12. The Texans in Week 13. The Raiders in Week 14. The Texans again in Week 15. It is a golden spot if any one of these backs can become the clear-cut option week over week for the Colts. So Hines having a pass-catching role already gives him a nice floor week in and week out in this offense. Yeah, my bet would still be that no one runs away with the job as lead primary ball carrier, but Hines at least getting that floor, right? If you could guarantee, like a Chase Edmonds sort of role, right? If you could guarantee him like six to nine carries per game and three to six targets per game, you're looking at someone who in half and full PPR leagues factors into that back-end RB2 and flex mix. So well, we could see that for sure going forward for Naeem Hines. You mentioned the great schedule that he would have if that were to be his role. And uh, speaking of a guy stepping into a new role with potentially a great schedule, how about Jameis Winston? Drew Brees is definitely going to be missing some time. Five broken ribs and a collapsed lung for Drew Brees. That sounds pretty awful. Um, the Saints aren't really ready to say just yet how much time Brees will miss other than that he will miss time. Of course, Sean Payton being Sean Payton, not yet ready to commit to Jameis Winston as the starter, still holding out the possibility that Taysom Hill will be the team's primary quarterback. But I mean, Sean your favorite Swiss Army knife. You're really going to commit to him being under center or in shotgun every single time? You can't use him out wide. You can't use him running the ball. I mean, come on. You know you want to do that. I feel like Jameis Winston is going to be the guy uh, for the Saints so long as Drew Brees is out. And you're talking about a schedule, at least in the short term, Derek, two of the next three games for this team against an Atlanta Falcons defense that has allowed the most fantasy points Two quarterbacks this season. Yes, even more than Seattle has allowed. I mean, even if you just get those two starts out of Jameis, he could be a nice guy to pick up here. Yeah, so if you got bye week issues in week 11, I think the immediate appeal of Jameis is pretty clear. If you have, let's say, Tom Brady as part of your rotation, he's on bye in week 13 when Jameis gets Atlanta again. So there's absolutely some short-term and medium-term appeal here. Is the ceiling for Jameis a lot lower than it should be because of Taysom Hill. Like, Do you account for Taysom Hill's usage at all when it comes to uh, looking at fantasy value? I mean, is that part of the reason why the ceiling for Breeze has fallen a bit, given how often Taysom Hill has these specialty plays and packages when the Saints are in a prime spot on the field? Yeah, I think it has to, but I don't think it is something that should drive you away from Jameis Winston. I think you should be realistic about the fact that he might lose a touchdown here um, because of Taysom Hill being out there on the field. And same we've seen with Alvin Kamara. It really hasn't slowed down Kamara, but obviously you lose a little bit of rushing value, a little bit of touchdown equity because of the packages that they use for Taysom Hill. But I don't think it is something that should discourage you from being excited about Jameis Winston, at least in the short term here. And uh, you mentioned Tom Brady in Week 13 when uh, Winston would potentially get to face the Falcons if he is starting for this team right away off the bat in Week 11, Josh Allen going on by. So if you've been riding Josh Allen and feeling like you haven't needed a backup quarterback all season, here's an answer to your one-week woes with uh, Allen going on a bye in Week 11, Jameis up against the Falcons. It just feels like almost too good to be true that you could have this here, have this opportunity to get a Saints quarterback and one who has been a lucrative fantasy quarterback in the past going up against the Falcons two of the next three games. For what it's worth, if this Drew Brees injury does indeed drag out a little bit and Jameis is the starter, fantasy playoff schedule for the 
Saints, Eagles in Week 14, Chiefs in Week 15, Vikings in Week 16. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, a few more guys to talk about on the waiver wire here. Let's get first to Salvan Ahmed. Ahmed had himself a very nice day in the Dolphins' win over the Chargers in Week 10. 21 carries uh, for 85 yards and a touchdown. Go back to Week 9. He had 7 carries for 38 yards in that game. Numbers that don't necessarily pop, but that do represent the rushing high for the Dolphins in that game. That was a win over the Cardinals, you'll remember. So Ahmed looking like the guy who, at least so long as my Miles Gaskin and Matt Burita are out, will be leading this backfield. Brian Flores has showed us a willingness to commit to one back as his clear lead back, so that is good for Ahmed. And even if Matt Burita comes back, Derek, I think with what Ahmed has done these last two weeks, he would still be in line for a large role. So I think he's maybe, even ahead of Naeem Hines, maybe the best guy to go after. I think he's definitely the best guy to go after in the short term. If I need a win right now, if I am chasing a playoff berth, I would rather have Ahmed on my team than Naeem Hines. Yeah, I agree. Part of it's the matchup in Week 11. Denver got run over by the Raiders' backfield. Both Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker looked really good against the Broncos in Week 10. It's really a matter of where the touches are going to be distributed. If you put Matt Breida back in the backfield, I think it's a split. I think Ahmed gets more carries. Breida gets a little more work maybe in the passing game if they want to split things up that way. So I do like the matchup. I agree with you that I prefer Ahmed to Naheem Hines at least for Week 11, even if Hines' role beyond that is a little bit safer. I think where you have to start to worry is once Miles Gaskin comes back, he won't play in Week 11 because he's going to miss at least three games. He's only missed two so far with his injury. If he's back in Week 12, you might have a guy that doesn't play enough to be useful. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, and there's certainly no guarantee at this point that Gaskin is going to be ready to go for that nice Week 12 matchup against the Jets. Familiar position for Salvan Ahmed. He backed up Miles Gaskin when they were in college together at Washington. Now they find themselves in the other corner of the country once again as teammates <laughs> in Miami. The, the, the Washington to Miami pipeline uh, at the running back position. Someone needs to do a story on that. We need to get our Dolphins beat writer Josh Tolentino up to Washington when it's safe for him to uh, travel like that again and get the lowdown on that story. Uh, the other running back who I think is part of this discussion this week and maybe marries a little bit of Ahmed short-term value and Naeem Hines' long-term value is Rex Burkett. Six carries for 31 yards in the Patriots win over the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. Had four tar- or four catches on five targets for 35 yards and two touchdowns in that game. Over his last two games 
18 carries, 8 targets. He's caught 7 of them, 133 yards from scrimmage, and 3 touchdowns. He's carving out a role alongside James White. He's doing a little bit of James White, a little bit of Damian Harris. And if this is a role that he can reprise week in and week out, 9 carries, 4 targets, 60-ish yards from scrimmage, I mean, there's going to be some value here. And the other thing that goes along with this, Derek, is that we're looking at a new-look Patriots offense and one that, frankly, has looked the best it's looked all season over these last couple of weeks. Yeah, they looked pretty good despite playing in pretty awful conditions oh, on Sunday brutal. night. That was one of the wettest games we've seen in a long time. I think the thing that stands out for me with Rex Burkhead is red zone opportunities in particular. His share of the touches inside the 20 has been pretty good when he's been healthy this season. I don't think that's really going to change anytime soon. James White has a smaller role than expected. You know, maybe we see White's role increase in the next few weeks. I know it's been an extremely difficult year for him, but I think Rex Burkhead has a chance to, you know, probably be a regular flex consideration in lineups. I think this is a team that is desperate for help at wide receiver and tight end, and because they really aren't going to find a lot of solutions there, they're going to have to throw the ball a lot more to their backs. So I think that's part of what kind of props up Burkhead's opportunities in the weeks ahead as well. They're just struggling so much Mm -hmm. to find options at that wide receiver position. Burkhead, Jacoby Myers, and Damian Harris have been featured when this team has been in its bounce back from what was clearly rock bottom about a month ago. Hard to imagine that they would go away from those three guys given the offensive struggles that have typified New England season this year. That's going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you're not yet an Athletic subscriber, get yourself in the door for $1 a week. Go to theathletic.com slash football in 15 to do so. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a great day.